Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. afternoon and good evening rugby fans and welcome to episode 40 of our show but episode one of the dnvr rugby podcast so that, that'll be where we start we'll jump into the breakdown first note obviously is uh dnvr raptors is no more um obviously with no more raptors to talk about this was kind of the next logical step in my mind so we are dnvr rugby now i uh, wanted to mix things up a little bit and this was the perfect time with the perfect guest on this show um, we're just expanding our horizons a little bit, and I'm excited to get it going. So with that said, uh, episode one of the DNVR Rugby podcast, episode 40 of the show. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. I, I mentioned it on the last week's episode a little bit, but uh, we have USA Rugby CEO Ross Young on the show. You know, he dives into a little bit deeper of the details regarding uh, USA Rugby's partnership with the city of Glendale that they announced last Monday. So it's been out for two weeks now and uh, just kind of clears up some of that stuff. Um, so I know we're jumping around a little bit, but we'll jump back into into the breakdown right now. Um, so a couple other pieces of rugby news just from around the world. Uh, world Rugby announced the cancellation of what remained of the 2019-2020 HSBC 7 season on Tuesday. So New Zealand men and women's team both kind of won by default. I think they were the table leaders at the time. Um, they're hoping to pick up back at the end of the year, I th- but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I would I'd be surprised if they were actually able to kind of start with no issues. Um, but, we'll, but I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's it all hinges on the coronavirus, and so hopefully by the time that stuff gets rolling, um, late fall, we'll be through this. We'll, we'll be on the other side of all this stuff, and that's best case scenario. Last little bit of news I want to jump into in the breakdown is we've got our Super Rugby update. So the New Zealand version, which is like the running joke, I can't say that word on the show. I, I just can't do it. I just don't know how. Uh, but New Zealand version is in round four. We've got Highlanders versus Crusaders at 1.05 a.m. on Saturday. we got Chiefs versus Hurricanes at 9.30 p.m. on Saturday. And then um, Super Rugby Australia is just round one, so this is the first week of that. We got Reds versus the New South Wales Waratahs at 3.05 a.m. on Friday. And we got the Brumbies versus the Melbourne Rebels at 3.15 a.m. on Friday. So by the time you're listening to this show, those matches will probably already have happened. Um, so make sure you go check those out on ESPN Plus so you don't have to stay up late if you are listening to this before those matches start. And if you are listening to this before those matches start, you might as well just stay up late because it's going to come out right around midnight on Friday morning. Uh, so perfect. That's kind of the short little breakdown. Covered uh, some big, some some of the the biggest updates I wanted to provide you guys in the in the little beginning of that show. So now we'll jump into the interview with USA Rugby CEO Ross Young. It's a very informative conversation. 
um, about what you know what their new partnership with the city of Glendale means for the future of rugby, kind of what it entails, um, and, and all that all that good stuff. It's a also a little bit of background on Ross. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I, I was very excited to get this going. Um, so I'm happy we got it done, and I'm happy for you guys to hear it now. So big thank you again to Ross and all the folks at USA Rugby for helping get this interview set up. Um, and with that introduction, let's go ahead and kick it to my conversation with USA Rugby CEO Ross Young. All right, now welcome on to the show, USA Rugby CEO Ross Young. Ross, how are you doing? Great, Colton. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on. There's a lot of, obviously, a lot of stuff we want to ask you about. Uh, based on all the, the recent announcements, so we'll just jump right into it. And the first question we ask everybody when we do the show is just, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Where I'm from? Where's my home? It's yeah. always an interesting question. <laughs> the, uh, I've been a little bit of a nomadic gypsy. Yeah. From, you know, even as a kid, I was born in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, my dad was an engineer and ended up doing a number of international gigs. Um, so... Middle East, Far East, Africa got shipped around, and then I actually my first connection with rugby was uh, decided that I needed some stability of my education and got put into a boarding school in Edinburgh. So uh -huh. I was within striking distance of my family, and having never really known what the game was, and really been from a working class soccer background in in Edinburgh, this this was introduced this strange game at, yeah. uh, at, at boarding school. How old were you when you uh, when you did that? So I, thirteen. So that sort of that sort yeah. of high school high school age, and was there for five years. Uh, I like to ask people too, just kind of what what did you like about it? Like when did you catch the bug? Was it your first training, your first match? I hated like, it. It was terrible. Oh, you hated it. <laughs> I just didn't. I mean, it's a complicated game. Yeah. And, you know, and you're sort of thrust in there, and you know, even at that age, obviously, advantage in in European environments, it's, you know, they, they'd been playing since they were three, four years old. And, right. Oh, you, you know, you look reasonably athletic. Well, so my first game was literally, I think I had two training sessions in a game. Okay. Um, yeah, and, baptism and was fire play, then, played huh? in the set, it put in the centers. Yeah. And just a disaster. I didn't <laughs> know what was going on. It was a, was a nightmare. Um, but yeah, that was my first introduction was sort of thrust into this. Yeah. Freezing cold, raining, big heavy cotton shirts, which weighed about three tons when the rain soaked into it. Standing, freezing, and the ball only came at me twice. I think the whole game. So, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't hate of it too much, though, right? If I'm, I'm talking to you now, so was there a moment that it like flipped for you? Yeah, I, I think it was just conditioned because it was such rugby as a sport was such an integral part of the school historically, right. and it was mandatory. Every single person had to play rugby there was no choice oh really so you didn't get to choose sports the that sort of autumn season was uh, was dedicated to rugby and really structural structure so eventually realized that was going to be far more useful lumbering around in the forwards than playing in the backs <laughs> and when I moved to become a forward then yeah definitely definitely yeah. at that connection point and just you're around with your mates and that you know yeah. to me that was one of the biggest things that was you know, it really was a case of you were, you know, you were, you were all in it together with all your different shapes and sizes of your buddies. Right. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it took me a couple of years before it really sunk in that, uh, that it was going to be a long-term involvement for me. Yeah, that's interesting. That's the first answer I've got like that. So I'm glad to, I'm glad you dove into that a little bit. Um, so I know you mentioned already that you, you were kind of a nomad. So can you explain how you uh, ended up at USA Rugby? 
Seems like you've got like an interesting background. <laughs> Again, yeah, probably not not standard Colton. So, I mean, I, you know, I got a little bit better at, at rugby during that whole period, and it's it's interesting that rugby was a was a base for my first career choice. Um, so, you know, in the in the days when I left school and decided what I was going to do, um, you know, the being in the police gave you a lot more flexibility in the police. You know, in, again, in those days, you know, being the sad old man that I am, it's, uh, you know, it was it, it was an opportunity to train and have your shifts accommodated, and you know, and and almost becoming, I suppose, it was it would be almost semi-pro in some ways because mm. if you played representative rugby for the police, you played at the highest level with the likes of the Harlequins and mm. the, the Wasps and and uh, you know the, those other which are now well-established big boys of the sport. So the Met Police were in the old first division. So for me, career choice was linked a little bit. I quite, yeah. you know, quite liked the the challenge of becoming a police officer and allowed me to, to play rugby at a reasonable level as well. So that kicked off the journey. Um, I was in the Met Police in London for nearly 15 years wow. and then had a couple of catastrophic knee injuries, which meant I had to give up playing. And then flicked to uh, again through rugby connections. I had to have reconstructions and was what was put on what's turned as light duties in the police and administrative. And I remember going to see my commander and said, "Well, you know, why don't you go and help? They're rebuilding Twickenham. We have to review the policing plans. Why don't you go and help out in the office?" And that was a trigger to get involved in rugby administration, yeah. even from a policing and event operations. Again, in those days. Definitely in the, the UK, you had a lot more police activity in the stadium as well uh -huh. as sort of traffic management, etc. the outside. Nowadays, of course, it's all private security right. and steward companies inside venues. But yeah, so that was, I, I was almost given that opportunity. And then as the game went professional, I was approached by two different rugby clubs to, to get involved in their, you know, senior management as a stadium and an operations manager. Uh -huh. And so I took the plunge to leave the police and join Harlequins as uh, as their as they say their stadium and operations manager. Then ended up being general manager for Quins, looking after everything apart from the high performance side, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then went from there to World Rugby, and was initially started off as the operations manager for Rugby World Cup, and ended up being the general manager for mm -hmm. Rugby World Cups, and moved to Australia originally then back to France and then New Zealand. So I was involved in three cycles of World Cups. Wow. Wanted to get off the the event train and decided to set up my own little one-man consultancy group in the UK. I was asked to come and do some stuff in the US. Uh -huh. And then my paths crossed with a guy called Chris Prentice and he and his wife Julie had set up what was then Serevi Rugby. Right. Again, strong links to Glendale. Yeah. And we had that joint venture going with the... The, the Serevi Rugby yep. event initially. So, yeah, went from consultancy to offer to a full-time job, moved to the US, was involved with Serevi, then got, you know, that whole business transitioned into not just a rugby but a data analytics company based mm -hmm. around football. Yeah. And then started doing some work around the World Cup Sevens in San Francisco for USA Rugby and then... Then moved across to USA Rugby in earnest around, well, nearly two years ago now. 
Yeah. What a story. That's a lot of that's a lot of moving too. Yeah, probably too much talking. <laughs> people have been bored and half asleep no, by now. I, I love it. People love it. I'm very fascinated by Adipus too, but that might be another conversation. <laughs> um, so next question I got here for you is do you have a most prominent rugby memory? It's, I mean, just based on your story, you've been involved in a lot of different I think, you know, from from a playing side, um, was lucky enough in actually in preparation for the, the World Cup in 91 in, in, in the UK. Each of the international teams were given a host venue to train at and we hosted the Argentinians. So, you know, I was never, never good enough to, to really hit the highest level in rugby, but managed to play a game against the Argentinians, which... Yeah just really showed you the, the difference between international rugby and even the, you know, good at that stage, English first division rugby. I mean, they just played with us, yeah. you know, literally toyed with us for, for four 20 minute quarters. So, but just being on that field right. in that environment um, uh, and from a rugby administrator for me, it's, it had to be the conclusion of the world cup in 2003 and, it's such. It was such a huge learning curve getting involved with professional rugby from the early days at Harlequins and constant challenges and you know going and then moving to to world rugby and an intense build up with dealing with very organised Australians that literally everyone within that organising entity to be involved in the Olympics in Sydney in two thousand so ultra professional ultra structured which put a huge strain on us because I was the interface between them and still largely transitioning amateur to professional rugby environment and it was it was a tough two years um but when that final finished and everyone had mm -hmm. left the stadium it was one of those classic moments when you're there and the confetti's still <laughs> on the playing field and I remember just walking back out on my own there was nobody else in there and just yeah. crying like a baby for about <laughs> half an hour because it had all finished so right I think that that event itself, and everyone talks about that being the, the first grown-up Rugby World Cup that really hit, yeah. you know, numbers globally and, you know, just playing a relatively small part in in building that but almost owning it in some ways was for, from my own by pulling in all the other all the other entities yeah that was that, right. that was probably the the special point at the end of uh, at the end of the world cup final in 2003 what a memory what a story i like asking people that too because it's always so different like a lot of the guys we've talked to it's been this high school match that they played in or something and, and so I, i'm glad that, that you shared that one with us so um last week usa rugby announced the the new partnership with the city of glendale so can you kind of explain what kind of partnership USA Rugby's had with Glendale in the past and kind of how it evolved into this deal a little bit? I mean, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, Colton, and I think, you know, I remember coming to Infinity Park when I was with Serevi mm -hmm. um, and sitting down with Linda, you know, and getting the background on how this great facility was put together and some of the long-term objectives, you know, both through... You know, through the mayor and the the project in general was, I think, you know, part of the background of that was to make it a little bit of a centralised hub for for USA Rugby, and I think there'd been a number of frustrations that we probably won't go into in this <laughs> environment about the fact that that didn't really materialise. Right. There was actually a little bit of bitterness, I think, even from both sides that that didn't really work at that stage. So, it's you know. That was my first interaction with it and thinking, well, 
you know, should it, it it's a great facility, uh-huh. you know, maybe there should be, but that certainly wasn't my remit at the time. And we had a great relationship for the the three years that we had the, the Sarevi event here that's now the Rugby Town Seven. So I think, you know, knowing that at the back of the mind and then moving here a couple of years ago, yeah, we certainly wanted to improve those relationships. And I just think it's it's just happened naturally over time. To me, it just, it seems to make sense mm-hmm. to be more integrated. We have this hub for sevens in Chula Vista. Yeah. Um, I mean, the US obviously a, a huge country and we're going to have to take the team on the road to various different events just because right. of the size. Of, but but at least having a having a hub and a base for the men's and women's 15s team just makes sense. I mean, right. we're, we're in a reorganization phase as, as most people listening to this will know. We've, We've had a horrendous period over the last probably three to four years in particular, um, which has culminated as into this this forced reorganisation. But doing that has, has allowed us to clean a few things and come with mm-hmm. a little bit of more of a blank piece of paper. So to me, it, it makes sense to get this in place. And, you know, and I think all the discussions have been around, we know it's a difficult environment. We know rugby's establishing itself in various different ways within within the US but let's let, let's build a partnership and not be over dictatorial about what has to happen let's work together mm-hmm. you know with the city within Infinity, Infinity Park about how we can really build on a, a base agreement over a long term period right. that is beneficial not just for the men's and women's 15th senior 15s programs yeah. the age grade programs and rugby in general as a growth mechanism across men and women and boys and girls. So it's, I think that's the way partnerships evolve better instead yeah. of trying to over-dictate at the start, right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Let's let's get the base agreement in place and then we can build on initiatives over this long-term period. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I, one of the other things I'm glad you mentioned is that it, it makes sense because that's one thing that, I mean, that's how I felt after the announcement was made. I think that's how a lot of people I saw just responding to the announcement online is that this just makes sense and to see it um, kind of take form is encouraging. So, um, but you just talked about not just benefiting the men's and women's 15s programs, but American rugby as a whole. So I guess just kind of leading into that is like, overall, what does this partnership do for American rugby as a whole, like in your opinion? I, I think it's, and again, it, not the easiest thing to quantify, but I think, yeah. you know, I think the one thing that we want to push through here is is having certainty and having a base and you know developmental pathways um you know and and making sure that both the teams both the the women's and and, and men's teams you know have the ability to grow programming and I think the you know that there's there's not many places that have the the infrastructure here with regard to you know Jamie Jamie Burke and Luke, mm-hmm. you know, been around both icons of the men's and women's game, have been involved with Glendale programming for a long time. Is you know building youth initiatives, having the teams here, the national teams, and doing outreach when they're here, and uh, you know working with Rugby Colorado in general, right. and and then and then fill in the middle part. So to me, we've got the aspirational elements of the national teams at the top. We know there's a good, strong, you know, youth and high school. Um, environment through you know, the work that 
that, that Tom Wren and Angus do with Rugby Colorado. So let's concentrate on the top and the bottom mm -hmm. and then fill in the pieces in, in between, um, as, as say, as we move through the, the long term. But, you know, having the teams here and be able to use them to activate activity and then and then replicate almost what we do here when we play, you know, other matches in other parts of the US. Right. But just make this the hub of it all. Right. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, is there is there something about this partnership that excites you most? Like uh, now that you've had, I guess, a week or so to think about it since it's been announced. But is there something about it at all that excites you most? I think we've got to look at that from USA Rugby's perspective, and yeah. I think the it's not quite there. But the you know, as always, as a, as a national governing body, you get criticisms from all sides. Yeah. Um, and to me, you know, we we had the, we kicked off this with having. You know, we've got obviously as people are aware, we've had the downsize and we've got a core staff that we've maintained during the last difficult few months, and mm -hmm. it's resetting the the team environment. I mean, everyone talks about rugby cultures, rugby values, togetherness, inclusiveness, etc. You know, we've definitely been trying to push that for the last eighteen months. But for me, it's it's almost the opportunity to reintegrate, you know, the high performance area with the national office and the membership and the grassroots. So from a business perspective, we've taken steps to almost differentiate those which make sense from a financial operating side of the business. But it gives us the opportunity to pull everyone together and we're all in this as one right. and sort of and restart. So to me, that's the most exciting thing is have a base, have a training facility that we're going to have a lot more in interactivity, if you like, with the national teams instead of them being miles away from where the, the administrative hub of the office is. Right. Um, and then, as you say, we can then work on initiatives you know, with, with Colorado as an area and obviously Glendale as, as, a, as a hub for that with specific initiatives moving forward. But the biggest thing is really restarting and pulling everyone together and, and, and sort of rebuild the the team culture, I suppose, across all facets of the organization. Right. So that that's what excites you as a CEO of, of USA Rugby. But is do you think there's anything that just me, regular American rugby fan, should be excited about, like in terms of this partnership? I think the same. Yeah, it's same almost thing. it's almost the same thing. And I think it's, you know, and it's having certainty, the fact that, you know, with the increased national team activity here, yeah. and especially you know regionally, I think I think we, it's it, it's making sure that's done, that's integrated, that that's communicated properly, and that people are aware. Um, I think you know the city of Glendale and the rugby city invested a lot in communication channels, infrastructure here to be able to do things. So, you know, I think both of us working together to to push out content. Mm -hmm. And give us the ability to come there is is not just going to help us, but as you say, it's going to help the the regular yeah, rugby fan regular as well me. by having you know by having a base like this to be able to do more more activity. And I know Calder and Alina in particular have done great things when you have the sevens teams together right. in one place at Chula Vista, and but it becomes a, it's been a little bit more disjointed because the fifteens teams have been all over the place. And yeah. I think having them you know having them here in one allows us to do better and more regular content around uh, around 15s rather than, than there being more focus on 7s because of their, 
you know, their residence, if you like, in Chula Vista. Right. And that, that was going to lead into my next question. Is just get, could you kind of talk about where the men's and women's 15s teams have trained in the past? And I mean, you just explained how it's made, how it's going to make things easier when they're all in one place. But like, how has that worked in the past? It's just really been on an ad hoc basis, just trying yeah. to move around, you know, do individual deals. The, the, I know as we've built this over the last couple of years, both, you know, the women's teams, the Barbarians game, that you know, they had a, did a great one-off deal with, with the city last year to have an extended camp, if you like, before the, the women played the Barbarians here last year. Right. And then the men's obviously, you know, used this as a base prior to going to Japan. So it's not as if we've not done things before. But, you know, I think the, you know, as we said, we it, it certainly gives us the opportunity to do more of that moving forward. For sure. Um, and I guess just the last question I had for, for you, Ross, if there was just anything else about this partnership that you think people should be aware of, or do, we, do you think we covered it all? I think we've covered it all, but to me, everything is about, you know, being inclusive. Right. Um, and, you know, that's not just from a DNI perspective, that, that, that's about inclusive of all areas of the, you know, of rugby. And I said, you know, from, from youth all the way through to national team. So it's, uh, I just, and as I said, I, I really want to be flexible and build this out. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, what have we done previously? You do one-off arrangements, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have games, you know, we want to have a minimum number of games here. So, you know, there's a base. Yeah. We've got a lot of work to do with World Rugby on calendarization in general for the men's and the women's game. Um, we've got the World Cup in New Zealand next year. Right. Obviously, preparation and using this as a base for that, for the, for the women's side, is going to be phenomenal. And it's, you know, it's just, it's really having that engagement and doing it. And then, but don't, let's not try and overthink things. We've got consistent, you know, mm -hmm. we've got a long-term arrangement in place. Let's build things that are going to be meaningful. If we know there's going to be a game here every July, from it gets in people's mindset and you can build stuff through continuity. You look at the great things that Glendale have done with hosting the women's series with two slots into that. Yeah. Obviously far more successful the second year with regard to attendance and engagement than the first year. You get that with long-term agreements. Having one-off agreements, it's a little bit hit and miss. But if we build continuity and know the fact that we've got this as a solid base, right. then we can do more things and calendarize more regular things based on the fact that we know we're going to be here. So hopefully we can, you know, we can both benefit from a good, fruitful, long-term partnership. For sure. Well, perfect. Well, thank you, Ross. That's all uh, the questions I had for you. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you inviting me and we'll do it again. Yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers, Colton. Thank you. Right, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with USA Rugby CEO Ross Young. Again, just wanted to thank Ross and the, and the folks at USA Rugby for taking the time to set that up and uh, speak with me. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I hope you guys did too. hope you guys learned a little bit more about um, the partnership, and I'm excited to see where it goes. It sounds like it's a pretty promising deal, uh, and only time will tell, but I, th I have a good feeling about it. Uh, and so, again, thank you. Thank you to Ross and to the folks at USA Rugby for helping me get that set up. So... Just like last week, we'll go ahead and jump into a listener question. Thank you guys for sending in questions. It means a lot to me, uh, and I'll try to answer them the best I can. So Left Setter asks, on my post regarding USA Rugby's announcement, so what happened to the Raptors players? 
I'm all for developing rugby here in Colorado. It's a fun game with fewer concussion issues, surprisingly, and one can play into Social Security age if you maintain a good fitness level. Also, the U.S. has immigrants from every rugby hotspot, unlike Italy. What's really amazing to me is the passion Glendale has maintained to be an island of support here in Denver. We are lucky in that respect, so let's hope USA Rugby can exceed, exceed even in football's rise in this country. I've had it with American football and would like to see us move into sports that everyone can play. So thank you for the question, Love Setter. Um, so regarding what happens with the Raptors players, uh, I, t I mentioned it a little bit a few weeks ago, I guess, on the show. And then when we had Doug Coyle on a couple weeks ago, when he was talking about the MLR draft, he had mentioned that there was a dispersal draft. Uh, I think it was like late April, early May, this dispersal draft happens. And so that obviously was the first shot at L.A. and Dallas to field their teams, to fill up their teams, you know. And so LA, L.A. and Dallas had their, uh, their pick of the Raptors players first that were on the team last year. And from what I've heard, it sounds like 11 to 12 Raptors were selected in the dispersal draft. And so how the dispersal draft was explained to me was if a player was selected in that dispersal draft, then the team that picked them had first rights to sign them. So if I was on the team and I was in the dispersal draft and the Dallas Jackals picked me, they have first rights to sign me. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll play for the Dallas Jackals. So I guess after a certain amount of time, like they had a week or two to come to an agreement, uh, and if, if the agreement wasn't reached by the end of that period, uh, then the player became a true free agent and they could sign with any other MLR team that they wanted. And Doug Coyle talked a little bit about it on the episode that he was on, like I just mentioned. Um, but he, he kind of announced a couple of people that had moved around. So I can tell you a few that are for sure. The Los Angeles Giltinis have signed Blake Rogers. Blake announced that on the MLR Rant podcast with Ty Braga uh, a couple weeks ago. And then according to Doug, who he said on the podcast, he signed uh, Mika Cruse has signed with Los Angeles Giltinis as well. I think those are the only two confirmed for sure, for sure. And then for the Dallas Jackals, Cody O'Neill, uh, the team announced on social Chad London is uh, confirmed to go there as the team announced on social as well. And then I think Chad Goff is also going there. Chad has been posting some Jackal stuff on his social media. And I know of a few more players that have signed uh, with their new respective teams, but I don't want to make the announcement until they're ready to announce it. So whether they give me the okay or they want to do it on the show, it's just not really my news to share, honestly. But I do know of a few more that have gone to both of those teams and a couple other guys that have made their future plans a little clearer as well is Robbie Petzer and Michael Curry both Robbie Petzer played here the last two seasons Michael Curry was played just played here last season um, but they have both confirmed on social that they're going to play in Japan next season so they won't be back in the MLR so good luck to those guys good luck to everybody that's uh, on their new teams and, and on their new journey I'm looking forward to watching them play again next season but we'll just have to keep an eye on the signings over the next few months. Uh, I will keep sharing the signings on Twitter as I see them come through. And then I'm also firing up a Raptors tracker article thing that will update pretty regularly once the signings come in. So once I get that, I'll get that going uh, when we get back from the holiday weekend. And then hopefully by then we actually know of a couple more. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of what happened to the Raptors players in short. Um, and then 
I think I've heard rumors that a couple of the guys have gone to sign for some other teams as well, but uh, those are very not confirmed yet. I don't know those for a fact, um, but I have heard a few things. And so once those signings come out, you know, we'll um, I'll do my best to keep you guys in the loop. So again, thank you for the question, Left Setter. Keep coming, uh, keep sending these questions in. Keep them coming, and I'll keep answering them the best I can. Okay, so moving into the next segment, uh, every week, you know, we've been doing required readings. So this week's required reading, golly, I have a hard time saying that word, required reading. It'll be a Goff Rugby Report uh, opinion piece on USA Rugby's deal with the city of Glendale kind of came out, I think it was last Saturday. But uh, it is an opinion piece, but Alex Goff really does do a good job of going into the details of the, of the partnership deal. It's called Opinion. The Glendale deal is a boon for USA Rugby. Uh, like I mentioned, it really just gets into the weeds of what the de of what the deal actually entails, um, clears up some details, and then he does a good job of breaking down in a couple of the other pieces. Once you once you kind of go check out this piece and get into the, like the wormhole a little bit, you'll understand what I'm what I'm saying. And like he, he when you see his related articles, he does a good job of. Um, really breaking down like where the you know the money is going to be going, how it's going to be divided up, all that all that good stuff. If you're interested in this deal at all, that's kind of the place to check it out. Um, I'll start posting these article or these links in the article that houses the podcast on dnvr.com because I haven't been doing that, and I know it's probably pretty hard for you guys to find it. So I'll make it as easy as I can. Uh, so make sure when you listen to this, go check out the dnvr.com under our, it should be our new rugby tab, uh, so it will still house all the old Raptor stuff that we've been doing, but go check it out there, make sure you read that stuff if you're interested in it, it's always good to just brush up on your rugby stuff, stay in the loop, um, and with that, that, so that's this week's required reading, make sure you go check that out, we might start having some pop quizzes or something, and then the last thing, I'm still kicking around names for this segment, we've been calling it the loop, we can call it the huddle, whatever, I'd be interested to hear your input. But that's just a very, uh, we, we talk about what we're doing, what we've got coming up. So with that, I, I've got a few more interviews lined up heading into next week, so we'll keep this show going strong. I think we've got some good momentum going right now. I'm excited about all that. So make sure you're keeping up with us on Twitter, like I was just mentioning, at DNVR underscore rugby. No, at DNVR underscore Raptors anymore. So the new handle is at DNVR underscore rugby. At Quilton Strickler is my personal account. We're sharing all the same stuff on both of those. Um, it was actually a lot easier to change the handle than I was expecting. I thought it was going to take a day or two, but I got the handle and stuff switched over, so that should be looking good. And we should have some new artwork and all that up there as well, so make sure you go check all that out. I'm really excited about this new direction. And I'm going to work hard to keep bringing you guys all this unique rugby coverage. It's been very fun. I've, like... And I know that for a while there, I guess in the middle of quarantine, it kind of felt like, you know, it just didn't feel as good. It didn't feel – I wasn't having as much fun doing this as I was, you know, pre-quarantine with when we have a season when I'm, you know, getting to talk to all these players. And there for a while during quarantine, uh, the show slipped a little bit, and I'll be the first to admit it. Um, but I think these last few shows, I've been, been very happy with how they've turned out been really working hard to get this uh, show back on track and so I hope you guys are enjoying it um, and I'm going to parlay that momentum into just some better shows moving forward as well so thank you guys for sticking with me it means a lot to me
Uh, and I'm looking forward to just keeping it rolling. So with that, that's my show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, have a happy and safe 4th of July, and I'll catch you back here next week.